Are you an accredited investor looking for a new opportunity to generate passive income and build the retirement of your dreams? Then elevate your investment game with Viking Capital, where wealth meets wisdom. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting out, Viking Capital can help guide you towards financial freedom through passive real estate investing. With strong and transparent underwriting, Viking identifies low-risk opportunities with the goal of preserving investor capital and maximizing long-term growth potential. And their accessible and responsive investor relations team will help you understand how each investment will impact your unique financial goals. With $800 million in assets acquired, more than $230 million in equity raised, and more than 5,000 units under management, Viking Capital is your path to early retirement. To learn about Viking Capital's latest investment opportunity, which is available for you right now, visit go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best. That's go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best to get started today. Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, Promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. I've had people come invest with me because they know that I set expectations and I deliver news good news or bad news, it's delivered. And a lot of people don't do that in this world. So being very deliberate with communications. Welcome to the best ever show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Ash Patel and I'm with today's guest, Amanda Cruz. Amanda is joining us from Raleigh, North Carolina. She is the owner of Voyage Investing, which primarily focuses on value add mobile home parks and commercial properties. Amanda's portfolio consists of being a GP on four mobile home parks with about 100 lots and a five-unit retail office center. Amanda, thank you for joining us, and how are you today? I'm doing great, Ash. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. Amanda, before we get started, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah, so I grew up in a pretty traditional household as far as work and jobs. My mom retired from a public school system, so I kind of took that path to start with. I got my undergrad in chemistry and a master's in applied statistics, and I was climbing the ladder at this large credit card company and just realized I wanted something different. I wanted something more. 
So back in 2018, when we had a very young baby, my husband and I started investing in real estate. We started with a duplex and then we did a burr and we gutted a house and we got into mobile homes. And then in 2020, we bought our first mobile home park and that ended up being a home run for us. We had people along the way who were wanting to invest with us and we never let them. So in 2022, we started allowing passive investors to come on alongside of us, which has been really fun as well. It's an incredible story. What were some of your guiding principles or did you have a mentor or how did you learn how to go from Burr to mobile home parks and to take on investors? Oh, I love that question. Okay. So at first, just like so many people, it was every bigger pockets podcast episode I could get my hands on and reading all the books and all that. So once we kind of got through the burr, right, we'd done a couple of deals. I had Bill Cook come into Raleigh. Bill Cook is an amazing creative deal structurer. He focuses mostly on single family homes, but he is so, so smart with creative deals. And he told me something about a Lonnie deal, which is basically you get a single mobile home, you get it for a good price, and then you turn around and sell it back to a family and you're the bank, you carry the note. And he mentioned that he loved that type of deal. So when we were ready to try something new, I kept that in the back of my mind and that's what we did. So it was really Bill Cook that got us into that. And then those went really well for us when we wanted to go bigger. So that's how we got into mobile home parks after that. What was your first mobile home park? It is a 50 lot park in Wilkesboro, North Carolina. What was the purchase price on that? Five ninety. And what was the value add proposition? Did it need a lot of rehab? Were they all individually owned mobile homes? Yeah. So these were all tenant owned homes, which means the resident owns their own home. As the park owners, we didn't own the homes. Just like so many mobile home parks, this one was owned by a woman in her 80s. Her husband had passed away. She was sick of doing it. She was a little bit jaded, right? So she was okay getting rid of it. The infrastructure hadn't been touched in two decades. The rents hadn't been raised in 13 years. They were well below market. So there are a lot of opportunities in mobile home park space. And with this one to go in and get over time, the rents up to market values and fix that infrastructure and clean up the park, and put systems in place. So that was our business plan. That's what we executed. And then we ended up doing a cash out refinance on that park at a million dollar valuation about a year ago and got more than all of our money back out of it. And then it's gone up another $700,000 since then just with rent increases. That's incredible. So are you going to sell or are you going to hold on to it? Gosh, I think about that all the time, Ash. I know you do as well, and you're big on growing that worth and always forcing that equity. So we might consider selling when interest rates come back down, maybe in 2024, not right now, but it's also cash flowing us very, very well. So it's a tough decision there. How do you know interest rates are coming down in 24? Gosh, nobody exactly knows what's happening in 2024, but- There are a few things that if you look at what people are projecting with the interest rates right now, and they're starting to slow down, we're thinking we're probably getting towards peak rate, maybe at the end of 2023, maybe into 2024, they might actually start coming back down some. Okay. And why wait? Because if you buy something today, you're paying the same rate at which you sell the mobile home park. So why not look for something today? to swap into, maybe 1031 into it. You're totally right. If I found something 
for such a good deal like we got on that one that I could take $2 million and put as the down payment on, then I would definitely consider it. So far, I haven't found the right thing. Okay. So like most of us, you're a deal junkie. And if you find that deal, you'll find a way to make it happen. And if it requires selling this, <laughs> perfect. That's right. Right. Okay, good. The five unit plus retail, did that come before or after the mobile home park? I think when we first talked about doing this, I was under contract on this five unit retail strip and I had to walk away from that one. And it was so, so hard, but I ended up walking away from it about a month ago the returns just weren't good enough for our investors when we got all the rent comps and all the pieces. in. so that's one of those that you just really hate to walk away from, but we did. What does that mean? The returns weren't good enough for your investors. What are they expecting? I like to move on anything where I can get at least a 15% return IRR. And in this case, once we got all the rent comps in and Obviously, you have to be extra conservative when you're doing all this underwriting. In a reasonably okay case, it was 12.5%, and that doesn't work for me. So we had to walk, even though it was really under market value. The only real value add there was the rents. It was 100% lease. So there was only so much that it could have gone up, and it just wasn't enough return. Can we dive into that? Sure. Okay. Purchase price on that. It's one retail unit with four apartments above it. No, it was a five unit office slash retail. It's a small town. So it's a combo office retail. Ah, it was okay. A, Got it. Yeah. And what were the rents? You said they were under market. They were, I want to say 13 a square foot, maybe, maybe 12 a square foot. And I want to say that was on a net basis. And then they could have gone up to about, I want to say maybe 14 and a half, 15 a square foot net. So after they pay CAM, it's 14 and a half or so. Yeah. And what's the market rate? So the market rate should be about 14 and a half. They were paying about 13, I think. And so one of the problems that I think capping this property is it was in an HOA and that overhead was pretty expensive. And then I had to be extra conservative on the sale price because of that HOA piece. So that was so, a big piece. Yeah. These were like office condos. Yeah. It was an entire building of office condos and there were three buildings in the same HOA. Got it. With that, it's the same challenges as if you're going to buy a normal condo. You're bound by comps, right? Because you yeah. have a bunch of identical properties. Granted, some of them could be nicer on the inside, can be furnished with medical tenants, built out for medical tenants. But at the end of the day, the appraisers, the banks... And the buyers and sellers all rely on those comps. That's a challenge. It's hard to make a lot of money with condoized units, whether they're residential or commercial. I applaud you for walking away from those. They're very hard to find good deals on. So It was so under market, but part of the return piece was even though based on the net operating income, perhaps it should have sold for $750. Really, I could only put it for $625 just based on what the other ones were. So Yeah, it was too bad, but we did walk away from it. Amanda, earlier in our conversation, you mentioned you had investors that wanted to invest with you, but you wouldn't let them in. How did they know what you guys were doing? We talked to a lot of people. I'm a big fan of letting people know what you're doing and helping people come online. I was on Bigger Pockets podcast last year, and a lot of people who I worked with at the credit card company 
they make a lot of money and they're looking for ways to invest in real estate, but don't want to spend all the time and education. So really that's how they've heard. Good. So you were putting yourself out there. You were adding value to others and essentially marketing yourself. And that's how they were drawn to you. They wanted to put money in with you. When you finally made the decision, what was it that changed your mindset? One, I wanted to make sure we really, really knew what we were doing. So we used our own money for our first three parks and we had systems and we know exactly what we're doing in the due diligence space. That's what Jonathan does. He's amazing at that. And I know what I'm doing in the underwriting space and I know what the rents are. And once I felt really comfortable that we could deliver consistently, then I felt comfortable bringing in partners with us. And how did you structure the deals with investors? And what types of returns do they receive? So on the first syndication that we did this past year, we actually did a debt syndication. So we got this one park for so incredibly cheap that we could do high returns right out of the gate. So we are actually doing 10% returns from day one, just straight debt. And for most other things we'll do, everything else I'm looking at right now is an equity syndication. So it's a typical five to 10 year hold, 15 to 18% IRR. And what's the pref on those? 70-30 split, usually like a 7% pref. Got it. The debt deal is just straight 10% debt. Right? Yeah. I've got to ask you a question. If you have investors and you said that that was such a great deal and you offered 10% debt, did you have mm-hmm. investors that wanted equity or upside in the deal? Yeah, that's such a good point. There are different investors who want different things. So I like to talk with them about what their goals are. Some people may be trying to leave W-2 jobs and they need the higher returns day one. Because we were paying out day one from that deal. A lot of other value add syndications where you're getting equity, you may be making zero or 2% in the first year and then it goes up after that. So if you don't need more cash flow now and your biggest emphasis is on the most return you can get in growing your wealth over time, then that equity side makes more sense. So it really depends on what the needs are of the specific investors. And the key point that you just mentioned is what your investors want. So you're attuned to different investors and the different needs that they have. So when you find those investors that want the steady income, you could put them into a debt deal. If you want investors that are willing to roll the dice a little bit, put them into a traditional syndication. So good for you for recognizing that. We'll get back to the show with first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Are you a real estate investor looking to break into the multifamily investing space? Have you heard of MFIN Con happening in Charlotte, North Carolina, June 12th through the 14th? The Multifamily Investor Nation Convention is a place to learn from over 60 high-level apartment investors while networking with more than 700 additional investors. If that's not enough for you, A-Rod, yep, Alex Rodriguez, 12-time Major League Baseball All-Star with over $700 million of commercial real estate assets, will be live and in person speaking at the event. Also speaking is the one and only Dr. Robert Cialdini, the godfather of influence and the award-winning author. I personally love his books. So be sure to secure your tickets to this live in-person event before they're gone. Go to MFINCon.com for more details. Sponsorship opportunities are also available. Visit MFINCON.com today. Use the promo code BESTEVER to get $200 off your tickets. That's MFINCON.com. I'm thinking out loud here. If you have a deal that just, let's say it rips off 25% IRR and you give a 10% debt deal, 
What do you say to somebody that says, why don't I get part of that upside? I want in on this. It honestly depends on the deal. So for this one, we could pay that high interest rate out of the gate. So we went that route. On so many value add deals, it's not an option to pay high interest on day one unless you're over raising or something like that. So it's really, if this is the deal for you, then you're looking for that cash on day one. And if you'd rather have an equity deal, wait a few months until we have one that's more value add in the long run, and that'll be the right deal for you. And you kind of answered my question there because you could pitch it to them just like that. Say, look, we could have gotten a deal where we overraise just to pay you, but you should feel good that this deal spits off so much cash that your 10% annualized returns are very secure because there's so much cushion in this deal and they should feel good about that. So good. Yeah. I love that. What's next for you? We're continuing to grow in the mobile home park space. I love the macroeconomics of that asset class, obviously, with the massive need for affordable housing right now. So we're definitely going to get a couple more parks in that space this year. And I really like non-residential as well. Like you've hooked me in, Ash. So I know we walked away from that other five unit, but I'm actually in your mastermind here starting pretty soon. So I'm excited to get a couple of non-residential buildings as well and start growing there. Yeah. And everyone knows I'm just a huge proponent of non-residential commercial real estate. (laughs) But Amanda, what do you say to the people that say mobile home parks are getting oversaturated? Because a lot of multifamily people are pivoting into Mm -hmm. mobile home parks, RV parks, self-storage. So are you seeing a ton of increased competition? Yeah, we're definitely seeing increased competition from where we were, but you're still going to see a heck of a lot less competition than in the multifamily space. And it's harder to market to mobile home parks. In a lot of ways, the brokers don't have their hands on every single park, like a lot more in the multifamily space. And we can go direct to seller for all of our marketing. All the parks we've gotten were from sellers directly. So there's a good opportunity there as well. But you're right. It's definitely gotten more competitive. The sellers that you're interacting with, have they been approached by other Amandas? A lot of times they have. So. One of the ways that we can combat that, because we're in the Carolinas, which is a great market. There's a lot of influx of people to the Carolinas with a great space to be, but we're located there. So we can talk to them. We can go meet with them. We can have lunch with them and drive their park and make those connections that other investors from across the country just can't do. So a lot of these people who built their parks two decades ago, that relationship and that connection can be very meaningful to know. I know this family. Amanda and her husband came with their two-year-old and like walked the park with us and they knew it's going to be in good hands. Yeah. Great advice there. In terms of lending on mobile home parks, are you seeing any changes or lenders? Is your appetite increasing or decreasing for this asset class? So we haven't really seen any decrease with the latest interest rate hikes and all of that. I mean, we were able to still get really good terms. We're using local banks. So we were able to get really good terms for a deal we closed in November, but we've also been in the space where we are using local banks. We haven't used any larger banks in this space. So I don't know if in a much nicer A-class parks, if those are being pulled back on at all right now, but not that I've seen from the local banks. You've been in real estate for about five years now. What's one of the hardest lessons you've learned, whether it's about deals or people? just anything that our listeners can learn from? 
What is the hardest thing that I've learned? Walking away from deals when they're not going to be good enough because it's so hard. You've put money in, you're losing money, you're losing time, you're emotionally invested in what you're doing. But at the end of the day, if the numbers say what the numbers say, then you have to make that decision and pull the plug. And do you have a network that you could bounce these things off of? Do you have a mentor that will tell you when to take the emotion out of an equation? I work with a couple of different people. I work with Trevor McGregor, and then I have a lot of connections that I've made over time just in the real estate space. I try to network with a lot of women who are in this space specifically. So if I ever really had a question on, am I underwriting this correctly? Then I could probably reach out to a friend and, and ask them. How often do you do that? How often do you network with people specifically on real estate problems? I don't know that I bring my problems to people very often, but I do try to network with a lot of real estate investors. I started the commercial real estate subgroup for the North Carolina RIA in 2021 and ran that for a while. I used to be part of this mastermind just for women in multifamily, which as we got more into mobile home parks, I sort of pulled out of that a little bit, but I'm always trying to meet new investors. I'm going to best ever conference. I'll be at the non-residential mastermind here in Atlanta coming up. So always trying to meet new investors and make solid connections. You never know what partnerships might come out of that. We've JV'd before with other investors who come out of networking as well. What are your bottlenecks in order from severe to mm-hmm. least severe? Deal flow, I'm going to guess, is one. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go down the list. Everybody says that right now. Deal flow is the biggest thing, trying to get sellers to come down on their price to what I can pay. And then second is as we grow, we're going to need to bring on more help with property management. So that's something that I'm keeping an eye on a lot right now is Jonathan does an amazing job with our asset management. And as we get more and more parks, we'll bring on help for him. Yeah, those are honestly the two biggest pieces. What's the most enjoyable and least enjoyable part of what you do? Looking for deals. I love looking deals. It's fun. And once you have that switch turned on in your brain, you can't drive anywhere without seeing a piece of real estate that you can turn around and you have all these visions for it. So that's definitely the most enjoyable. On the least enjoyable side, this probably sounds weird, but these seller calls, they're on my calendar all the time. And so I have to take them. And sometimes I'm just like, here we go again. I know they're not going to want my price. Here we go. But just trying to keep that mindset more, more positive. <laughs> seller calls, meaning you're calling potential sellers yeah. to see if they'll budge. What can we do to make that more fun, more appealing, and less painful? Well, it's totally a mindset thing. I just need to change my mindset before I make that call. I get to make the call, right? Not I have to make the call. But it, it is fun getting to know people. I think I tend to be a little bit more introverted. So whenever I'm about to hop on three calls back to back, I'm like, I can do this. But no, it is good. It's nice to get to know the sellers and their families and stuff. So I'm thinking out loud. What if you call sellers on one day of calls? You say something like, what's the most fun thing you've done today? Like <laughs> something that. off the wall. Would that, yeah. Like they're going to be like, what? Who the hell? Like, what are you talking about? She's like, hey, listen, yeah. man, look, you're on my calendar to talk. I really want to buy your property, but I don't want to say the same old thing. So tell me something fun you've done today. Like make <laughs> my day, right? 
Yeah, that's awesome. Have you ever used that before? No, I don't even call sellers. (laughs) (laughs) I should. I've done that before where I'll call for lease listings and I'll see if they want to sell. Already, they're on edge because they're trying to lease an office or a retail spot. And here I am trying to buy it. And there's already a disconnect. They're like, wait a minute, I'm confused. I'm not selling this. I'm leasing it. It's like, yeah, I know, but I I buy stuff and maybe you consider selling this. And usually they're so taken back that the call doesn't make sense to them at that moment. But then when you follow up, they've given it more thought. So in commercial real estate, when I say commercial, I mean non-residential, we never get hit up. In over 10 years of me doing this, I received one postcard from somebody that said, I want to buy your building as is, quick close. And it wasn't a residential wholesaler. It was commercial because they said building instead of property or house or residency. And I wasn't used to getting those. So I pitched the postcard. That night I thought about it. I'm like, this building isn't doing much for me. Might as well sell it. I was hoping they would follow up and send me another postcard or a phone call. And they failed because they didn't. Ah. And I still own that building today, but I would have sold it years ago if they had followed up. That's funny. I can totally second that too. I got an angry phone call. We did direct mail for some non-residential buildings this year. And I got a very angry phone call from a guy because it went to his home address. And he was like, I feel poked in the ribs. How did you even get my home address? I was like, I'm surprised you haven't gotten more of these. He was just so angry. We don't get them. No. We don't get them. What was your answer? How did you get my home address? What'd you say? I was like, well, it's probably available on whitepages.com and some other places. So we can go, you know, you may want to check that out. (laughs) You can actually remove yourself if you want. (laughs) (laughs) Good answer. I love how you think outside the box. In terms of cultivating additional investors, are you doing anything proactively right now? Right now, I'm mostly talking to other people who've expressed interest to us before making sure I give them information getting them newsletters, going on podcasts and helping people really just understand more about passive real estate investing. And that's, you know, that's been working so far. (laughs) You regularly follow up with potential sellers. Do you regularly follow up with potential investors? Yeah. Right now we don't have any deals, so we'll get our regular newsletters. And I try to keep people informed of what's happening in the market right now, what's happening with interest rates, just so that can be top of mind. And I'm always available for a phone call to anybody who's in our investor circle to have a chat with or anybody who's interested in just having a chat of what's going on and what their goals are and helping them firm up what their goals are. That's a great outlook. Good for you. Amanda, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? Communication is key. Be very strategic with communication. It doesn't matter if it's with sellers or with partners or with your passive investors. I've had people come invest with me because they know that I set expectations and I deliver news, good news or bad news. It's delivered. And a lot of people don't do that in this world. So being very deliberate with communications can get you pretty far. Is there any system or software that you use to do investor relations or property management? We use Rent Manager for property management. And right now we're moving to active campaign for our email distributions. Got it. Amanda, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Okay, let's do it. All right, Amanda, what's the best ever book you recently read? You know what? I like The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. It's all about being vulnerable in order to form really meaningful connections with other people. 
Amanda, what's the best ever way you like to give back? Healthy food is really important to me and to my family. So we like to donate to our local food bank. I'll take my kids with me and we'll just go pick up food and drop it off there. So we can give actual healthy food. A lot of times you can give granola bars and stuff like that, which is great because it's something, but giving more nutritious foods to people who I know aren't getting them on a regular basis is important. Amanda, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you? Our website is voyageinvesting.com. So check out our website and you can join our investor circle if you're interested in the passive opportunities we have. And I post a lot on Instagram with both passive and active investing. So come follow me at investing with Amanda. Amanda, thank you so much for your time today. You started out with the typical college courses, degrees. You were set to be great in corporate America and you found another (laughs) path. Started with the Burrs, mobile home parks, going into commercial. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. Yeah, thank you, Ash. Great job. Best ever listeners, thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review. Share this podcast with someone you think can benefit from it. Also, follow, subscribe, and have a best ever day. Hi, best ever listeners. Joe Fairless here again. And one last thing before you go, would you like to receive a short weekly email with proven tips from experienced investors, free tools and resources, and a roundup of the week's most relevant news and best ever content? Well, if so, join the community of nearly 15,000 commercial real estate passive and active investors who receive the best ever newsletter. Just go to bestevercre.com forward slash access and you'll get the very next one. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, thank you for listening and have a best ever day.